You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, we are in a Christmas series, and I'm having so much fun. Uh, It's called Jesus, Our Magnificent One. And he is magnificent. And it's a prequel to the sermon, uh, to the theme of 2024 that we're keeping a secret. And I mentioned that the first Sunday sermon. We're going to keep that a secret. We're going to unveil that theme on January the 7th. And we are so excited about that. And uh, I've said this, it's going to be the best theme the 30, uh, in 32 years our church has ever had by far. And I already had somebody challenge me on that. Are you sure, preacher? Because I'm just, I mean, come on, the best 32 years? I'm like, by far, like by a hundred miles, the best theme, it's that good. Here's what I'm saying. Don't miss January 7. The banners will be up. You'll see it before we start preaching and it, it's going to be amazing. And we'll start our first sermon series as we begin the new year on that theme. But until then, let's continue as we look at Isaiah chapter nine in verse six, which is what this entire sermon series around that verse, it's been, it's been preached around that verse and will continue to be around a verse that was written as a prophecy, get this, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. An incredible verse. So many reasons why we as Christians uh, believe and put our faith in this book. And some of those reasons have to do with prophetic verses like Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. In this verse, you will see a five-fold description of our Savior through the names that he is described by. Because as we've said, names have an impact on our lives. Names are important. Names are especially meaningful in the Bible. God, from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, began to name things. Scripture says that he called the light, the, the, uh, he called the light uh, uh, day, and he called the darkness, what? Night. He named it. Scripture says that he called the expanse sky. And the Bible says he called the dry ground land. He called the, 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 the waters collectively seas. And then Adam is born and, and brought into the world, or Adam is created and brought into the world, and he gives Adam a job, and his first job was a naming job. Hey, Adam, I need you to name the animals. I'm trying to figure out what was Adam thinking when he saw that animal and called it an aardvark. I'm just not sure, you know. But uh, he named all of the animals. Names are significant. Even though we wonder sometimes, how could somebody ever have named their their daughter, their son, that, you know, there's a reason. They've got a reason. People will tell you, oh, that it's this reason. It's that reason. It's this family member. Names are significant. And so we've been talking about the names that describe Jesus in Isaiah 9, 6. And so the first sermon, we talked about that the Christmas wonder and how this Christmas wonder uh, affects the dullness of our lives because his name is wonderful. And sometimes life can get very dull. And sometimes we can go through life and wonder, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? And I just can't figure this thing out. And, 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 it just, and we need to remember this, that if you are saved, if you've been born again, and I, I started that journey September the 1st, 1978. That was 44 years ago. And I want to say this by word of testimony. He was wonderful then and he's wonderful now. I mean, he has sustained my joy. And this morning I, I sang that song Together with you, joy, unspeakable joy, because he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Christmas wonder. Last week, we talked about Christmas wisdom. His name is Counselor. 
He helps us with the decisions of life. Life can be difficult, and sometimes it's hard to make decisions, and yet Scripture says we can have the mind of Christ, and we have this counselor that that can give us wisdom, not worldly wisdom, but divine wisdom from God, and so his name is wonderful. His name is Counselor. He helps us with the dullness of life and the demands of life and this, or the, uh, the decisions of life. But this morning, we're going to talk about how he helps us with the demands of life. Because life can be very demanding. I mean, as you've already heard this morning, as we've shared prayer requests with you, you can you imagine the demands on, on, on people who are facing difficult things in their lives this morning? There's times when we feel powerless over life's demands. And even someone like me, I would not want you to be remiss to think that because of my energy, my attitude, my positivity, that I at times don't feel like giving up because I do. I hope that doesn't come as a shock to you. I feel like giving up sometimes. I mean, even in, in my journey as pastor, there's been times where I've wondered, I don't know if this is, is this really what I'm supposed to do? Or maybe is this really where I'm supposed to be? Or, or, or those demands that sometimes come into our lives that make us feel so weak and without strength and like giving up. What encourages me is that the Apostle Paul felt the same way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. Paul said, we were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. I mean, I don't know exactly what the interpretation is there, but it seemed as if he thought he would die. He thought life was over. Indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death so that we could not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us. We put our hope in him that he will deliver us again. Paul describes here times when when we need some strength. Have you been there? Like Paul? We need some power. We, Paul is thanking God in this last verse, the mighty God. He's thanking him for his power and what he's done and what he's doing and what he will do. It's interesting that throughout history, man has discovered and used power. We often talk about the fact that, hey, we need some manpower to handle this situation. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm moving. I, I need some help moving. Can I have some manpower? Or maybe sometimes we might refer to power uh, as, as in horsepower. You know, go buy a car and, hey, how many horsepower is that car? I need, some, I need something with some get up and go, right? Or maybe we refer to something that has steam power. Or we think about nations that are building nuclear power. Power brings wealth in any society. That's what power does. But when I say the word wealth, I'm not talking this morning about physical wealth. I'm not talking this morning about educational wealth. We're definitely this morning when we say wealth, power brings wealth. We're not talking about material wealth. We're talking about a person not who has a wealth of knowledge or not who has a wealth of experience. Because man has tried to harness all types of power, but man has a need above all other needs, and that is to have spiritual power. And that's the power that I'm speaking about this morning. We're talking about spiritual power or emotional wealth or spiritual wealth. If we have God's power, and if we have God's strength in our lives, he's going to increase us in so many different areas. He'll increase us in riches, the riches of his glory, the riches of his grace, the riches of his wisdom, the riches of his knowledge. This is what Paul said in Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth 
of riches. Oh, the depth of wisdom. Oh, Paul says, the depth of knowledge. How unsearchable, how untraceable are his ways. We need that. We need that power. We need that spiritual strength, that emotional wealth to help us daily in our lives. And so thank the Lord this morning that we have someone who is called the mighty God. He is the mighty God. Isaiah 9, 6 again, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Christmas wisdom. And his name shall be called Counselor. Wonderful, excuse me. Uh, Christian, uh, what did I say? Christmas wonder. Thank you, Kevin. You're listening. And, and his name shall be called Counselor Christmas Wisdom. And his name shall be called Mighty God Christmas Wealth. We're going to talk about this Christmas wealth. And how that we need to be strengthened in our lives so that we understand what this wealth is all about. I remember when my children were growing up, my wife and I would often sing to them when they were going to bed songs. Songs in the night. And one of our favorite songs, as my wife and I uh, talked about in the last couple of weeks, was this one. I'm going to do my best to act it out. It's been about 15 years since I've sung it, but I sang it this morning at 9 o'clock, and I'm going to sing it again. Sang it. I'm going to sing it again today. Are you ready? My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do (laughs) for you. (laughs) We always ended it, and that woke him up, so it wasn't really a good go-to-bed song, you know. I still believe that. And some of you are looking at me like, you know, what is this guy doing singing some children's song on Sunday morning? Because it's as theologically correct as the ones we sang this morning are as well. God is big. God is mighty. And there's nothing that he can't do. And I'm thankful this morning that my kids believe that. And I want every, every one of us to believe that this morning. We serve a mighty God who is big, who is powerful, who is strong. And that's why Mary cried out in the Christmas story, Luke 149, because Mary said, the mighty one, the mighty one has done great things for me. He is holy. Mary may have been a poor little girl from a small little town, but she was the wealthiest woman in that town because she was about to give birth to the mighty God who would save the world. We have a God who strengthens us. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I'm able to do all things through him, Jesus, who strengthens me. We think about the Old Testament and some of the examples that we see men who were going through very difficult times in their lives, but they were strengthened by God himself. Think about Joseph. He needed the wealth of God's strength to endure the hardness that he experienced. Even his own brothers beat him up and left him for dead in that pit. Most of us know that story. And yet the Bible says of Joseph in chapter 49, verse 24, his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God. 
We think about David who relied on the wealth of God's power to help him fight his battles and have his kingdom. And David, of course, faced Goliath, that mighty giant of the Philistines. And it seemed like there was no way David could defeat that giant. But in 2 Samuel 22, verse 23, God is my strength, David recognized. God is my power and he'll make my way perfect. We read of Ezra in the Old Testament who had the wealth of God's strength to write the word of God during a difficult time when the temple was being rebuilt. And it was said of Ezra, I was strengthened by the hand of the Lord my God. And then old Samson, he was a piece of work, wasn't he? Oh, man, he had all kinds of issues and problems and things that led him to be captured by the Philistines. And they gouged his eyes out. And he spent the rest of his days in a Philistine jail, blind. But I want you to know, he leaned on God's strength. And he turned his weakness into strength as he cried out in Judges 16, 28. Lord God, please remember me. Strengthen me, oh God, just once more. And I want you to know God did strengthen him once more. And Samson left this world understanding the wealth of a mighty God. And then in Paul, who needed the wealth of a mighty God because he, 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 he was, uh, faced death so often in his life. And in 2 Timothy 4, 17, it says, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. He strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word. This morning, I, I thank God for that verse because this morning, I want you to know that, that God is strengthening me to fully preach his word this morning, 2,000 years ago, or rather, after Paul wrote this verse. He said, I want the Gentiles to hear it. I was rescued from the lion's mouth by a mighty God, a mighty God. We have a Savior who is called the mighty God. And in Hebrew, the words mighty God mean El Shaddai. El is God and Shaddai is mighty. 42 years ago in 1982, I was 17 years old. I I remember I was in a very conservative church that wasn't very kind towards the new contemporary Christian movement that was coming on the scene. And so it was hard to learn some of the new songs but I was a Roman Catholic altar boy that was saved and I never drank the Kool-Aid. And so I, I listened to Amy Grant. <laughs> and I remember this song that Michael Card wrote and Amy Grant released. And I've sung it for the past two weeks nonstop in my car. The name of the song was El Shaddai. Years ago, I went to church with Sonia Chittam like I go to church with Sonia today. And Sonia many times would sing this song in church. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Eona Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same by the power of the name. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Er Kamkana Adonai. We will praise and lift you high, El Shaddai. Through your love and through the ram, you saved the son of Abraham. Through the power of your hand, you turned the seas into dry land. To the outcast on her knees, you were the God who really sees. And by your might, you set your children free. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, God Almighty. That's the God who we serve. 
El Shaddai, the mighty God, the God who created the universe with all of its billions of galaxies that contain billions of stars and who, who even now sustains the universe by his hands and by his power. Jesus Christ is that God. He is the mighty God. But how does that mighty God strengthen us today? How does that apply to you and me? How are finite human beings living in Hot Springs, Arkansas, randomly sitting in a church service at 1045 in a, in a, in a, in a Baptist church? And how, how, how does God strengthen us today? How can we be strengthened by God? How do these Old Testament stories and verses and passages and how, how does Mary's cry that, that, that God was my, how does that apply to us? That's what I want to do this morning. I want to give you in the next few moments three ways the mighty God gives us real Christmas wealth. And then as I like to do, I want to give you some action steps. I want to give you some practical ways that you can give Christmas wealth and strength to others. Because all we need to be is a channel. As God strengthens us, we need to use that strength to strengthen others. God has a great plan for all of us this Christmas. To have the right kind of Christmas wealth. And the first one is this. Jesus, the mighty God, gives us strength through the wealth of words. Talk about Jesus. And here's the the action step. We gain and we give Christian wealth, Christmas wealth, by giving encouragement to others. That's how we do this. When we get strength, when we're strengthened by the mighty God, we have the opportunities. We gain that strength to give it to others. Listen, there's something strengthening about words. Last night before Glow went to bed, we have devotions. I don't know how much she understands, but we get our Veggie Tales devotional out. Glow is 17-year-old. She's a special needs girl. And so last night I got my Veggie Tales. She loves this. When I get this book out, she starts screaming. And you know how they get. They get all excited. And she, she just, again, it's not a good bedtime thing because when you read, she gets excited, right? But I read her devotion last night before we prayed and went to bed. If you're having a hard time or feeling sad, doesn't it feel great when someone comes along and cheers you up? Encouragement is a great gift we can give to each other. Sometimes we give encouragement with words like, I know you can do it, or keep on trying, or I'm on your side. At other times, we don't even have to use words to encourage someone. A hug, a pat on the back, or just sitting with someone can be encouraging. You can find ways to encourage others every day. Just give it a try. Who will you encourage today? You say, now who's that from? Veggie Tales. <laughs> it's a great theological book, I'm telling you. Who have you encouraged today? He is the great encourager. The other night I had the chance to, Friday night I drove the bus to the high school game in Little Rock, right? And... <clears throat> This is what you do when you quit coaching. You start driving buses, just for everybody that's coached before. Get your CDL and drive a bus. And I loved it. Well, I asked Zoe. I said, Zoe, he's, in the, he's in serving in the media room. I said, Zoe, I said, you mind if I sit on the bench? We've been having a tough season. I mean, if you've been to some of the games, you know, we've had some tough losses. And I said, Zoe, listen, I'll, just, I won't, I'll mind my own business. I'll just sit on the bench. I won't say anything except for, you know, maybe I'll just say a word to the players as they're coming off the court. I had my plan, right? Well, Zoe went for it. He's like, yeah, Dad. Yeah, just sit on the end, you know. On the end, <laughs> on, the, on the very end. And, uh, and so as the game went on, when someone would have a turnover 
or, or miss a three or airball a shot or, or make a mistake, I would single that person out as they came off the court. I'd run on the court. This is Friday night. And I'd grab them by the shoulders and say, listen, you can do this. That's not who you are. You, you know how to play this game. You turn the ball over, but you got to protect the ball. Take care of it, man. Every possession counts. You got to watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sir, yeah. Next guy come off. Hey, I know, I know that you missed that three by a mile, but the next one's going in, dude. Peyton, one of our best players, he, uh, he didn't score any points in the first half. I mean, I mean, the first quarter, zero. And he's our best player. He's a senior. He's a great little shooter. Zero points. I leaned over to his dad who keeps the, 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 the stats. And I said, he's getting eight points in the second quarter. Man, I, I, I told Peyton, I said, Peyton, look, man, you're a senior. You've got this. You can shoot. You're an offensive player. You can put the ball in the hole. Just go out there and do it. At the end of the second quarter, he had eight points. <laughs> I felt like Isaiah 9, 6. A little prophecy there. Amen. You say, preacher, what were you doing on the end of the bench? <laughs> Just encouraging some guys that were having a hard time. We won by 20, by the way. I don't know if it had anything to do with me sitting at encouraging people. I have no idea. I think it really the credit should go to Zoe or maybe me a little bit. But anyway, and, uh, but I can tell you this. God's called me to be an encourager because he's encouraged me so much. He's been so good to me. He strengthened me with his words. And what I want to do is strengthen others with words. I think about Job in the Old Testament. How in the world would Job be able to encourage anyone? If you know the story, you know he lost all 10 of his children in one day, in one horrific uh, incident. And then his own wife in Job chapter 2 turned on him. And she actually said words like, just curse God and die. Almost like he was just a loser who would have, should have been his greatest encouragement. Walked away. And yet in Job chapter 4, Eliphaz, the Temanite, replied, should anyone try to speak with you when you're exhausted? I mean, I mean, Job, listen, buddy, take a break. I get it. I mean, you've been through a lot. You know, we're, 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 you don't have to worry. You're, I'm sure you're exhausted. You don't have to say anything. Yet who can keep you from speaking? Indeed, you've instructed many. You've strengthened weak hands, Job. I don't know how you're doing it. Your words have steadied the one who was stumbling and braced the knees that were bucking. I don't know that anybody in this room would, would, would say, I've been through what Job's been through. But I would wonder how many of you have been encouraged by someone like Job? How many of you can remember right now as you sit in this building, someone who when you were going through an incredibly difficult season came by and encouraged you with a text, a call, a word of encouragement? What I want you to do is as you think of that name, I want you to write it down. And after the service, I want to encourage you to send a text or give a call or or encourage someone. That's Christmas wealth. That's Christmas wealth. Christmas wealth is using the words that God's encouraged us with to encourage others. I asked Tamara Gray. She's a member of our church. I was really going through a tough week about three weeks ago. It was brutal. I don't know what happened. Every now and then I just, I don't know. I think I bomb a sermon or I think I messed up or I think someone's angry. And you just, look, I'm human too. And, and sometimes I think, you know what, is this really worth? And then all of a sudden, somehow God gives me Tamara Gray, who's in my little lighthouse group at the house, bunch of we're old, you know, older single ladies that go to our small group. She says, the first time I sat down with you, Eric, I received love and acceptance by your actions, allow, allowing me to feel comfortable enough to embrace gospel light. Gospel light has given me a Christian family, a community, and a sense of belonging. 
Over the years, I've watched you just love and encourage others to just love others. You've never claimed to be perfect. You openly admit your shortcomings. And I appreciate your openness and transparency above all. The Christian life is surreal to me at times. But I am so thankful that God led me to gospel light, to a wonderful pastor that keeps it real, and to my wonderful church family. Amen. These words of encouragement can at times keep us going. This is Christmas wealth. I'd rather get something like this than a gift that cost $100. Not $200, but $100 for sure. We need to encourage each other. This is what Christmas is all about. Words are a means of giving hope. And coupled with the power of God's word, our mighty God can strengthen us through the words of encouragement. Because God uses people to encourage others. Deuteronomy 3.28 says this. Joshua was facing an incredibly hard and difficult time. And Moses said about Joshua, commission Joshua. And encourage and strengthen him. For he will cross over ahead of the people and enable them to inherit this land that you will see. Think about a time in your life where you've been struggling with the demands of life. And someone gives you strength through a word of encouragement. And then put a price tag on that. That's the wealth of Christmas. When David was in a demanding time, Jonathan, his best friend, said these words to him. It strengthened and encouraged him. In 1 Samuel 23, 16, then Saul's son, Jonathan, came to David and Hirsch and encouraged him in his faith in God. This Christmas season, be a person who gives Christmas wealth through your words of encouragement. Be a pillar of strength with your words. Motivate someone to go further. We need to learn, church, to communicate with people. We need to learn to be a channel of strengthening people with our words. It seems as if so often I talk to people who just, they just, it seems as if they, they, their excuse for not encouraging is, well, I just, I wasn't encouraged as a child, or my parents never encouraged me, or I just don't want people to get the big head, so I don't really encourage people. Can I tell you, I'm not sure that excuse is really valid. I'm not sure we can make excuses as to why we don't encourage others because God has encouraged us so much. And can I give you a little nugget about communication wealth? Just a little nugget. Something I've learned in my years of pastoring a church. When you're talking with people, spend time talking about them, not talking about yourself. That's an investment. That's an investment in them. I love Sunday mornings. I love coming around and just trying to invest a little word of encouragement into the people in this room. One of my favorite times of the service is the 15 or 20 or if I preach a short short sermon, 30, right? And uh, we we get to just encourage one another and and, and say a word to someone who we love and just say, hey, thank you for being you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for how you bless me with your friendship. It's an amazing thing. Number one, Jesus, the mighty God, gives us strength through the wealth of words. Number two, Jesus, the mighty God, gives us strength through the wealth of waiting. Trust in Jesus. That's what waiting produces, more trust. And then here's the action step. Are you ready? Here's how we can apply it practically this week. We can gain and give Christmas wealth by being patient and trusting God. And we go to that 
all famous, incredible, amazing verse in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 28, where it says, do you not know, have you not heard the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There's no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths may become faint and weary. Young men stumble and fall, but those who, here it is, trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. How can waiting strengthen you? It teaches you to trust. That's what waiting does. David said in Psalm 27, verse 13, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness. I'm just certain. I know it. I believe it. I'm going to see it in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. It's coming. Wait. Be strong. Let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. When we wait, he promises to strengthen us. And when we trust in something, it produces a strong resolve. But when we're fearful, we lose strength. And it affects our decisions. It affects our our actions. You know, one of the things that I believe is that when we trust in something, it produces a strong result. I believe that. I, I think about my children and I, I want them to be able to trust dad. Zoe, come up here for just a second. Where you at? Yeah, come up here. I used Zoe in the fir- uh, Joe in the first service and we actually practiced this illustration. But Zoe, there's a lot more faith in this one because we did not practice. So I'm just, I'm just hoping you can do this. So... Zoe's one of my boys, right? He's my third born son. And the, one of the greatest accomplishments that I can have as a dad is that he would trust me. Not like God. I, I pull, I mean, I'll let him down, but I want him to trust me. And I'm not perfect, but I, I want him to know that he can call me. He can, he can, I, I've got counsel maybe that I can offer. I've got some things that I've done and been through that maybe he has it that I could pour into him. And I, I want this relationship to be strengthened through trust. And so I want to give an illustration that I think illustrates this. And so, Zoe, as you turn around, give me a little room right there. I'm going to ask Zoe to just fall back without bending his knees. And I'm going to ask him to trust Dad to catch him. All right, Zoe, let's do this. (laughs) You did it, man. Give a hand. All right. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah. Zoe and, I, Zoe and I practiced several times. Hey, I think I've got maybe one or two more years I can give that illustration. Then that sucker's going out of the door. Man. <laughs> I, I don't think I can give that one much longer. Waiting produces strength. As we trust, we get stronger. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15 says, For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, You will be delivered by returning and resting Now, I want you to meditate on this phrase. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence. So just think about that. Just let that one sink in. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence. Trusting in a mighty God produces strength. That's Christmas wealth. Trusting in God. Waiting on God. He will deliver you. But when we don't trust in God, when we turn to something else like our minds, like our money, like self, Psalm 52, 7 says, Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength. 
Rather, he trusted in his, the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in wickedness. But when we wait, it strengthens us even more. As Psalm chapter 18 says, I love you, Lord. I love you, God, my strength. The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress, my deliverer, my God. The rock where I seek refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation and stronghold. Wow. Even when I'm weak, as I trust in God, he strengthens me in my weakness. Who's writing a book on that? Where do you find a book that says, hey, when you admit you're weak, you get stronger. God is our strength. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 reminds us, he says to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses. Why would you do that? So that Christ's power may reside in me. So what does the mighty God help us in the demands of life? How does he do it? Number one. The mighty God strengthens us through the wealth of words. Encourage others. Number two, Jesus, the mighty God, strengthens us through the wealth of waiting. Be patient and trust God. And then thirdly, and in conclusion, Jesus, the mighty God, gives us strength through the wealth of worship. Thank Jesus. The wealth of worship. And the action step is this. That we gain and give Christmas wealth by worshiping and thanking the Lord. You know, it's amazing. There's something special about coming to Sunday mornings. I can tell you, and this is the truth. This is not an exaggeration. But when I wake up on Sunday mornings, Sonia, I am so excited. It's pathetic. I can't wait to get out of bed. I can't wait to get to church. I love being here. No one ever has to beg me. To, and I know I'm the pastor. And I know there's jokes about, you know, I don't want to go to church, you know. And then the, you know, she finally says, honey, you're the pastor. You got to go. You know, that's not me. I'm like the guy that can't wait to get here. And I'm going to liken it to my wife going to Kroger. And she buys groceries so she can get Kroger points. Anybody on the Kroger point team? Anybody else on the Kroger point team? Okay, got, got about a dozen of you. So she goes to, she gets these points. And then she, she tells me one night while we're in bed, honey, I've got $3.50 for the month of December um, towards gas. I'd like to use it $1.25. I mean, like it's a strategy. Like she's into this. Like it's incredible. I've got a dollar twenty-five. I'd like to do each fill up with, and I'm thinking this that if we can meet maybe tomorrow, what time are you available? We can all meet at Kroger, and uh, and so she sends a group text out. Zoe gets it, Chloe gets it, and I get it, and it just says, "Hey, seven thirty tonight, Kroger. We're I got a dollar twenty-five off." Of course, you know I'm thinking that's good, but we're paying for everybody's gas, you know. And so we get there, and if you're late, she's like, where have you been? We've been waiting here. Come on, we got to hurry. You, you can't put the thing back because if you put the thing back, it stops it. I mean, she's intense. And so we're all, you know, usually it's Carol Ann first. She gets 10 gallons, and then it's Chloe second. She gets 10 gallons, and then it's Zoe second, and he gets 10 gallons. And you only get 35 gallons, so I get five. <laughs> I've got the 23-gallon truck, and I get five gallons. Everybody else gets a full tank of gas. I can't figure it out. But I can tell you this, that my wife is excited. And, and then when you drive home, she's like a different person. Oh, she's so happy. Oh, thank you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm like, where did, the, where did that intense caroline go? Get it, Lord, let's go. Because after you're filled up, there's something about it. And when I come to church, I get filled up. I can't wait. Because I'll be honest with you, by Friday, I'm drained a little bit. I mean, sometimes life can just, the demands of life can be draining. 
Sometimes, man, I think, Robert, you know what I'm talking about, man. Working as a fireman in this community, about thank you for your service, but working as a fireman for 30 plus years and some of the, you know, things you have to deal with, some of the firemen you have to deal with, and some of the things you go through. I mean, it could be like, I need me a dose of church. I need a worship service. I need to get filled up. And I want you to know that's how Sundays are for me. I'm still going to get a nap. Don't get me wrong. But I'm going to wake up Monday morning and hot springs better be ready because Erica Pacey's filled up. I'm ready to go. This means so much to me. The worship songs, the fellowship, the offering, the sermon, the opportunity to pray at the altar or to pray in my seat. It is so fulfilling. It's like saving a buck 25 at Kroger. (laughs) Christmas wealth. As we praise God, it strengthens our faith. Our hearts are restored and renewed. Psalm 138 verse 1 says, I'll give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I'll bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. You have exalted your name, your promises above everything else. On the day I called, you answered me. You answered me, God. And when you did, you increased strength within me. All the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have promised. When we do what the psalmist says, the mighty God, our El Shaddai, increases strength within us. His joy strengthens us. We sang this morning, joy, unspeakable joy, overflowing joy, overwhelming joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, send portions to those who have nothing prepared. Since today is holy to our God, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy. Joy is a powerful fruit of the Spirit of God. Joy can get you through the demands of life. And as you worship and praise God, joy joy fills your heart and strengthens you. And listen, that's why I'm I'm convinced that while we're while we're driving around town, Caleb is a good, it's a good way to increase your joy. Just put put it on and or maybe hook your phone up. What is it? Apple Play or something and and, and, and press uh, you know, I've been listening to El Shaddai all week long. And so you can tell I'm pretty excited about our mighty God. After you listen to El Shaddai about 73 times, this, this is what happens, okay? And so, uh, but, but you, 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 you won't imagine what, what a song in your heart will do. This refrain that we are reading goes all the way through the Old Testament. You see it like dozens of times. In Psalm 118, verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Again, in Isaiah 12, 2, indeed, God is my salvation. I'll trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Never underestimate the strength in a song to the Lord. Never. Songs to the Lord are powerful. Songs that are written about Jesus are powerful. It's an amazing gift that God's given us to sing unto the Lord. The Lord becomes our strength. The Lord becomes our song. The Lord becomes our salvation. When? When we are so weak that we know we can't make it. And we declare our dependence upon him. Even though I cannot rejoice in my circumstances, I can rejoice in God. You know, when Don Schulteis called me this morning, I mean, he was Don. You know Don. If you know Don, you know what I mean. He's, he's kind of an exciting guy. He's 
got a type A personality, but Don was, he was struggling this morning. Hey, preacher, it's Don. Yeah, Don, what, what, what's, what's happening? Probably just be a few hours, preacher. Man, I know she's going to heaven, preacher, but it's tough. Hey, Tyler, you okay? No, I'm not okay. I just had to call you, preacher. I had to hear your voice. Would you pray for me? I can't rejoice in my circumstances, but I can rejoice in God. God, the hope of my salvation. He's my strength. He's my song. He's Don's strength this morning. He's Tyler's strength this morning. He's their song. He is their salvation. Make a decision this Christmas that regardless of the demands of life, you have a Christmas wealth and he is the mighty God and you and I can rejoice even though we have difficult circumstances. Can I give you some good news? We're saved forever if we're saved. Amen. We're sealed forever by the Holy Spirit. We are, our sins are forgiven. We're set free. We, our future is secure. We gain and give Christmas wealth by worshiping and thanking the Lord. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart celebrates and I'm going to give thanks to him with a song. When the devil tries to steal your joy, I want you to remember Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, smutty face. Unto us a son is given. You wicked devil. And the government will be upon his shoulders, you loser. And devil, his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. In 2017, Hillsong United wrote a song called Tell the Devil No, Not Today. People started buying t-shirts and bumper stickers that just said, Devil, Not Today. My daughter sang it at Teen Revolution. I mean, I've never seen Chloe sing a song like she sang, tell the devil, no, not today. The words are amazing. Trouble won't throw me, won't break me, won't scare me, no more. Fear must have thought I was faithless when it came from my heart because I got a song that will never die. I know your love is the reason why. I'll sing the night into your morning. I'll sing the fear into your praise. I'll sing my soul into your presence. Whenever I say your name, let the devil know, not today, not now, not ever again. The mighty God, the mighty God. When Isaiah prophesied about Jesus coming into the earth, he said, unto us, a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called the mighty God. That little baby born in a manger is our source of strength. Talk about him through the wealth of words. Trust him through the wealth of waiting. Thank him through the wealth of worship. Because the mighty God that came down to Calvary to die on the cross for your sins rose again. And you know why he did it? Because we were without strength. 
Romans 5, 6 says, for when we were yet without strength, he died for the ungodly. This morning, I want to ask you a question. If you need strength, if you need that power, I want to encourage you this morning to come to the mighty God. Come to Jesus. He can be your song, your strength, and your salvation. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want you to know the mighty God can give you a power to love. He can give you a power to forgive. He can give you a power to trust. The mighty God can give you a power over addiction, over fear, over angry, a power over lust, over depression, over guilt. This mighty God can give you a power to persevere in the midst of a difficult time of suffering, even if you've been mistreated. This mighty God can give you strength. He can give you power that can restore and strengthen a relationship that's been broken, even though it seems as if there's no way it could ever be healed. This mighty God can cleanse you from sin, even when it seems that the sin that you have has such a grip on your heart and you could never break free, not with this mighty God. We have a mighty God who has power to give us hope and joy in the midst of the most difficult, heartbreaking circumstances. He has power to change our attitudes replace grumbling and complaining with gratitude and thanksgiving if you want that kind of power come to Jesus if you need someone to pray with you today we'll be at the altar to pray if you need someone to talk to just someone to pray over you we're here and if you need to just worship and just experience the wealth of worship as we sing Two songs as we close. Just experience that wealth and thank Jesus for being our mighty God. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for this service, for this congregation, for both services, for both all three campuses. We pray, God, for Lake Hamilton and the Spanish campus that today, as they give their invitations, probably about right now, that, God, you would move in a powerful way as we celebrate your kingdom as we celebrate father the work that you've done in us and the work that you are doing in us and the work that you will do in us father we pray that we would be strengthened by your mighty hand and that god you would give us today the rock lord the the power the strength Lord, not necessarily to overcome our circumstances, but Lord, not to let our circumstances dictate our attitude. Father, we pray that we would give you the Christmas wealth, and then as we gain it, we give it to others. I love you, Jesus. I love this church, and I love our people. Bless us now as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?